Chapter Six, Part One of Salambo by Gustave Flaubert. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Six, Part One. Hanno. I ought to have carried her off. Matto said in the evening to Spendius i should have seized her and torn her from her house no one would have dared to touch me spendius was not listening to him stretched on his back he was taking delicious rest beside a large jar filled with honey-coloured water into which he would dip his head from time to time in order to drink more copiously Mato resumed what is to be done how can we re-enter carthage i do not know said spendius such impassibility exasperated matto and he exclaimed why the fault is yours you carry me away and then you forsake me coward that you are why pray should i obey you do you think that you are my master ah you prostitutor you slave you son of a slave he ground his teeth and raised his broad hand above spendius the greek did not reply an earthen lamp was burning gently against the tent-pole where the zaimph shone amid the hanging panoply suddenly matto put on his coturni buckled on his brazen jacket of mail and took his helmet where are you going asked spendius i am returning leave me alone i will bring her back and if they show themselves i will crush them like vipers i will put her to death spendius yes he repeated i will kill her you shall see i will kill her but Spendius, who was listening eagerly, snatched up the zaimph abruptly, and threw it into a corner, heaping up fleeces above it. A murmuring of voices was heard, torches gleamed, and Narhavas entered, followed by about twenty men. They wore white woolen cloaks, long daggers, copper necklaces, wooden earrings and boots of hyena skin and standing on the threshold they leaned upon their lances like herdsmen resting themselves narhavas was the handsomest of all his slender arms were bound with straps ornamented with pearls the golden circlet which fastened his ample garment about his head held an ostrich feather which hung down behind his shoulder his teeth were displayed in a continual smile his eyes seemed sharpened like arrows and there was something observant and airy about his whole demeanour he declared that he had come to join the mercenaries for the republic had long been threatening his kingdom accordingly he was interested in assisting the barbarians and he might also be of service to them i will provide you with elephants my forests are full of them wine oil barley dates pitch and sulphur for sieges twenty thousand foot soldiers and ten thousand horses 
if i address myself to you matto it is because the possession of the zaimph has made you chief man in the army moreover he added we are old friends matto however was looking at spendius who seated on the sheepskins was listening and giving little nods of assent the while narhavas continued speaking he called the gods to witness he cursed carthage in his imprecations he broke a javelin all his men uttered simultaneously a loud howl and matto carried away by so much passion exclaimed that he accepted the alliance a white bull and a black sheep the symbols of day and night were then broad and their throats were cut on the edge of a ditch when the latter was full of blood they dipped their arms into it then narhavas spread out his hand upon matto's breast and matto did the same to narhavas they repeated the stain upon the canvas of their tents afterwards they passed the night in eating and the remaining portions of the meat were burnt together with the skin bones horns and hoofs matto had been greeted with great shouting when he had come back bearing the veil of the goddess even those who were not of the canaanitish religion were made by their vague enthusiasm to feel the arrival of a genius as to seizing the zaimph no one thought of it but the mysterious manner in which he had acquired it was sufficient in the minds of the barbarians to justify its possession such were the thoughts of the soldiers of the african race the others whose hatred was not of such long standing did not know how to make up their minds if they had had ships they would immediately have departed spendius narhavas and matto dispatched men to all the tribes on punic soil carthage was sapping the strength of these nations she wrung exorbitant taxes from them and arrears or even murmurings were punished with fetters the axe or the cross it was necessary to cultivate whatever suited the republic and to furnish what she demanded no one had the right of possessing a weapon when villages rebelled the inhabitants were sold governors were esteemed like wine-presses according to the quantity which they succeeded in extracting then beyond the regions immediately subject to carthage extended the allies roamed the nomads who might be let loose upon them by this system the crops were always abundant the studs skilfully managed and the plantations superb the elder cato a master in the matters of tillage and slaves was amazed at it ninety-two years later and the death-cry which he repeated continually at rome was but the exclamation of jealous greed during the last war the exactions had been increased so that nearly all the towns of libya had surrendered to regulus to punish them a thousand talents twenty thousand oxen 
three hundred bags of gold dust and considerable advances of grain had been exacted from them and the chiefs of the tribes had been crucified or thrown to the lions tunis especially execrated carthage older than the metropolis it could not forgive her her greatness and it fronted her walls crouching in the mire on the water's edge like a venomous beast watching her transportation massacres and epidemics did not weaken it it had assisted archagathas the son of agathocles and the eaters of uncleanness found arms there at once the couriers had not yet set out when universal rejoicing broke out in the provinces without waiting for anything they strangled the controllers of the houses and the functionaries of the republic in the baths they took the old weapons that had been concealed out of the caves they forged swords with the iron of the ploughs the children sharpened javelins at the doors and the women gave their necklaces rings earrings and everything that could be employed for the destruction of carthage piles of lances were heaped up in the country towns like sheaves of maize cattle and money were sent off matho speedily paid the mercenaries their arrears and owing to this which was spendius's idea he was appointed commander-in-chief the scarlishim of the barbarians reinforcements of men poured in at the same time the aborigines appeared first and were followed by the slaves from the country caravans of negroes were seized and armed and merchants on their way to carthage despairing of any more certain profit mingled with the barbarians numerous bands were continually arriving from the heights of the acropolis the growing army might be seen but the guards of the legion were posted as sentries on the platform of the aqueduct and near them rose at intervals brazen vats in which floods of asphalt were boiling below in the plain the great crowd stirred tumultuously they were in a state of uncertainty feeling the embarrassment with which barbarians are always inspired when they met with walls eudica and hippo refused their alliance phoenician colonies like carthage they were self-governing and always had clauses inserted in the treaties concluded by the republic to distinguish them from the latter nevertheless they respected this strong sister of theirs who protected them and did not think that she could be vanquished by a mass of barbarians these would on the contrary be themselves exterminated they desired to remain neutral and live at peace but their position rendered them indispensable Utica, at the foot of the gulf was convenient for bringing assistance to carthage from without if Utica alone were taken hipposaretus six hours further distant along the coast would take its place and the metropolis being revictualled in this way would be impregnable 
spendius wished the siege to be undertaken immediately narhavas was opposed to this an advance should first be made upon the frontier this was the opinion of the veterans and of Mato himself and it was decided that spendius should go to attack utica and Mato hipposaritis while in the third place the main body should rest on tunis and occupy the plain of carthage otarius being in command as to narhavas he was to return to his own kingdom to procure elephants and to scour the roads with his cavalry the women cried out loudly against this decision they coveted the jewels of the punic ladies the libyans also protested they had been summoned against carthage and now they were going away from it the soldiers departed almost alone Mato commanded his own companions together with the iberians lusitanians and the men from the west and of the islands all those who spoke greek had asked for spendius on account of his cleverness great was the stupefaction when the army was seen suddenly in motion it stretched along beneath the mountain of ariana on the road to utica beside the sea a fragment remained before tunis the rest disappeared to reappear on the other shore of the gulf on the outskirts of the woods in which they were lost they were perhaps eighty thousand men the two tyrian cities would offer no resistance and they would return against carthage already there was a considerable army attacking it from the base of the isthmus and it would soon perish from famine for it was impossible to live without the aid of the provinces the citizens not paying contributions as they did at rome carthage was wanting in political genius her eternal anxiety for gain prevented her from having the prudence which results from loftier ambitions a gallery anchored on the libyan sands it was with toil that she maintained her position the nations roared like billows around her and the slightest storm shook this formidable machine the treasury was exhausted by the roman war and by all that had been squandered and lost in the bargaining with the barbarians nevertheless soldiers must be had and not a government would trust the republic ptolemaeus had lately refused it two thousand talents moreover the rape of the veil disheartened them spendius had clearly foreseen this but the nation feeling that it was hated clasped its money and its gods to its heart and its patriotism was sustained by the very constitution of its government first the power rested with all without any one being strong enough to engross it private debts were considered as public debts men of canaitish race had a monopoly of commerce and by multiplying the profits of piracy with those of usury by hard dealings in lands and slaves 
and with the poor fortunes were sometimes made these alone opened up all the magistracies and although authority and money were perpetuated in the same families people tolerated the oligarchy because they hoped ultimately to share in it the societies of merchants in which the laws were elaborated chose the inspectors of the exchequer who on leaving office nominated the hundred members of the council of the ancients themselves dependent on the grand assembly or general gathering of all the rich as to the two suffets the relics of the monarchy and the less than consuls they were taken from distinct families on the same day all kinds of enmities were contrived between them so that they might mutually weaken each other they could not deliberate concerning war and when they were vanquished the great council crucified them the power of carthage emanated therefore from the syssitia that is to say from a large court in the centre of malca at the place it was said where the first bark of phoenician sailors had touched the sea having retired a long way since then it was a collection of little rooms of archaic architecture built of palm trunks with corners of stone and separated from one another so as to accommodate the various societies separately the rich crowded there all day to discuss their own concerns and those of the government from the procuring of pepper to the extermination of rome thrice in a moon they would have their beds brought up to the lofty terrace running along the wall of the court and they might be seen from below at table in the air without cothurni or cloaks with their diamond-covered fingers wandering over the dishes and their large earrings hanging down among the flagons all fat and lusty half-naked smiling and eating beneath the blue sky like great sharks sporting in the sea but just now they were unable to dissemble their anxiety they were too pale for that the crowd which waited for them at the gates escorted them to their palaces in order to obtain some news from them as in times of pestilence all the houses were shut the streets would fill and suddenly clear again people ascended the acropolis or ran to the harbour and the great council deliberated every night at last the people were convened in the square of Carmon, and it was decided to leave the management of things to hanno the conqueror of hecatompylos he was a true carthaginian devout crafty and pitiless towards the people of africa his revenues equalled those of the barcas no one had such experience in administrative affairs he decreed the enrolment of all healthy citizens he placed catapults on the towers he exacted exorbitant supplies of arms he even ordered the construction of fourteen galleys which were not required 
and he desired everything to be registered and carefully set down in writing he had himself conveyed to the arsenal the pharos and the treasuries of the temples his great litter was continually to be seen swinging from step to step as it ascended the staircase of the acropolis and then in his palace at night being unable to sleep he would yell out warlike manoeuvres in terrible tones so as to prepare himself for the fray in their extremity of terror all became brave the rich ranged themselves in line along the mappalian district at cockro and tucking up their robes practised themselves in handling the pike but for want of an instructor they had disputes about it they would sit down breathless upon the tombs and then begin again several even dieted themselves some imagined that it was necessary to eat a great deal in order to acquire strength while others who were inconvenienced by their corpulence weakened themselves with fasts in order to become thin Eudica had already called several times upon carthage for assistance but hanno would not set out until the engines of war had been supplied with the last screws he lost three moons more in equipping the one hundred and twelve elephants that were lodged in the ramparts they were the conquerors of regulus the people loved them it was impossible to treat such old friends too well hanno had the brass plates which adorned their breasts recast their trunks gilt their towers enlarged and caparisons edged with very heavy fringes cut out of the handsomest purple finally as their drivers were called indians after the first ones no doubt who came from the indies he ordered them all to be costumed after the indian fashion that is to say with white pads around their temples and small drawers of byssus which with their transverse folds looked like two valves of a shell applied to the hips the army under autarius still remained before tunis it was hidden behind a wall made with mud from the lake and protected on the top by thorny brushwood some negroes had planted tall sticks here and there bearing frightful faces human masks made with birds feathers and jackals or serpents heads which gaped towards the enemy for the purpose of terrifying him and the barbarians reckoning themselves invincible through these means danced wrestled and juggled convinced that carthage would perish before long any one but hanno would easily have crushed such a multitude hampered as it was with herds and women moreover they knew nothing of drill and autarius was so disheartened that he had ceased to require it they stepped aside when he passed by rolling his big blue eyes 
then on reaching the edge of the lake he would draw back his seal-skin cloak unfasten the cord which tied up his long red hair and soak the letter in the water he regretted that he had not deserted to the romans along with the two thousand gauls of the temple of eryx often the sun would suddenly lose his rays in the middle of the day then the gulf and the open sea would seem as motionless as molten lead a cloud of brown dust stretching perpendicularly would speed whirling along the palm-trees would bend and the sky disappear while stones would be heard rebounding on the animal's cruppers and the gaul his lips glued against the holes in his tent would gasp with exhaustion and melancholy his thoughts would be of the scent of the pastures on autumn mornings of snowflakes or of the bellowing of the urus lost in the fog and closing his eyelids he would in imagination behold the fires in long straw-roofed cottages flickering on the marshes in the depths of the woods others regretted their native lands as well as he even though they might not be so far away indeed the carthaginian captives could distinguish the velaria spread over the courtyards of their houses beyond the gulf on the slopes of bizra but sentries marched around them continually they were all fastened to a common chain each one wore an iron carcanet and the crowd was never weary of coming to gaze at them the women would show their little children the handsome robes hanging in tatters on their wasted limbs whenever otarius looked at gisco he was seized with rage at the recollection of the insult that he had received and he would have killed him but for the oath which he had taken to narhavas then he would go back into his tent and drink a mixture of barley and cumin until he swooned away from intoxication to awake afterwards in broad daylight consumed with horrible thirst End of chapter six part one